Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Well, would you please stand with me, hold your Bibles up. Those of you at home, go ahead and jump out of bed. Stand on your feet for a moment. Cup your hand like you got a Bible. All right. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, today, we're going to talk about a very well-known man and a story, the story of Jonah. Uh, The world's future resides in us. Now, when I say that, I don't say that arrogantly. I don't say that to say, well, it's, it's in mosaic. That's not what I'm talking about. The world's future resides in believers, people of faith. When Jesus left the earth, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That means the good news. People respond to good news. Now, because we are a fallen people beginning in the garden, it's just so much easier to intimidate and threaten people. At least it was when I was growing up. When my dad said, if you don't do this, there will be consequences. How many of you know, that'll get your attention. Now, we know that millennials have never seen a board or a belt. I was introduced to both at a very early age. We became dear friends for most of my life. And so as a result of that, we... We oftentimes try to get people to do what we want them to do by telling them about the consequences, which is not horrible, but it speaks to the fallen side of our nature, not the risen side of our nature. If you can tell people how good God is, that God is a God of mercy, He's a God of grace, He's a God of love. And they'll tell you all the things they've done wrong. You ever talk to somebody that's living a life filled with sin by design? I did. I was. And I always had people trying to scare me, you know, like scare the hell out of me. Because there was a lot of hell in me. And I remember hearing Christians, you know, they got around people like me. They really turned on their their, uh, apocalyptic Christianity. Wanting me to be scared to death of going to hell. Well, nobody wants to go to hell, but nobody wants to be told they're going to hell every day. And so every time I would get around them, I I mean, I, I appreciate their intentions, but it just didn't work for me. But the future of this world and people like me was resident in people that had faith. The challenge is that Jesus said, preach the good news, not the bad news. Tell people what they can be. Tell people who he is. Talk about the wonders of God, the miracles of God, 
the grace of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the patience of God to put up with people like us. He's just waiting on us. And, and so we have a responsibility. And the question oftentimes, even today, as it was in the Bible, is, am I my brother's keeper? That's a question we often ask, isn't it? It's like, well, how much do I have to put up with? Well, he told Peter 70 times 70, infinitely, we are called to forgive and put up with people because somebody's putting up with you whether you believe it or not. You know, everybody, there are, there are certain people think, well, you know, I just got to put up with everybody. Well, there's somebody putting up with you too. You know, you ain't just putting up with people, people putting up with you. We are often blind to our own idiosyncrasies and deficiencies and habits and behaviors and things of that nature where we don't even realize how in one moment we can be so absolutely stupid. I mean, in a moment it becomes a gift that we just, we just get out of hand and we don't even realize it. And here's why I want to talk about this because evangelism is not a word that we use much anymore and uh, it's not something we talk a lot about because the reality is it takes somebody that really believes in what they believe to help somebody else believe what they believe that changed their life. So if you've never really been the kind of person where you feel like that God has touched your life in an incredible way and, and God did something really supernatural, that was me. God delivered me. It was like other people went to rehab. God just delivered me. And I, I got off all the mess, didn't have to have it anymore, all the junk, and, and it, it was nothing short of miraculous. I was ready to kill myself, suicidal, uh, wanted to die, and, and just exit, man. I wanted out because every Christian I knew back in my early years, they were just mean. And, and I don't think they meant to be mean, but they were just mean. How many of you ever been around a mean Christian? Yeah, about everybody, right? And, and unfortunately, there have been times I've been that mean Christian. Well, it's just go to hell then. You ain't going to listen to me? Hey. You know, that's the attitude that we, <clears throat> we often find ourselves possessing when we get frustrated. Which God's saying, continue to pray, continue to believe. You realize Christianity is the most adhered to religion in the United States. But listen to this. 75% Americans polled adults identifying themselves as Christian in 2015. 75% said in 2015, we are Christian. But this is down from 85% in 1990. Are you getting what, going with me here? The decline. In other words, we're, we're not seeing a need. Back in my day, and we were convinced because when Israel became a nation, that was supposed to be the sign that Jesus was coming back. And I remember that talk, and it scared me. I thought, oh my gosh. I mean, what's that look like? Can you imagine looking up in the eastern sky and it ain't a 747, a 777, it's Jesus on a white horse. Now, I'm going to tell you, that'd freak you out, wouldn't it? That'd be like if you're on drugs right there, you'd be, whoa, wow. See a flying horse with a dude on it. I mean, those are the things I, I, had to, I grew up thinking about, man, it scared me. And so now we've preached that so long that people are going, yeah, right, it ain't ever going to happen. Instead of saying, it doesn't matter when he comes back. 
It doesn't matter because he said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not just looking to go to heaven every day. I want to bring heaven to earth. So that way when the transition happens, I'm already familiar with heaven. I'm familiar with grace and mercy and light and love and, and all of the. I'm familiar with those things because every day I say, God, bring those into my life. Most of the time, our prayers are, God, change bosses, get them out of there. I hate the job I'm working at. Give me another one. I hate my house. Give me another one. I don't like where I'm at. God, help me up in here. Instead of lifting your hands and entering his gates with thanksgiving and his courts of praise, get up and say, God, thank you. I woke up today. It's going to be a glorious day. It's going to be a wonderful day. But somebody reminds you, you've got to go to traffic court. <laughs> you don't have a job to pay the ticket. You're one month behind on your rent. Now, all of a sudden, they shift you back instead of saying, all I know is this. The Bible says God will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yeah. I don't know where it's coming from, but I'm looking north, south, east, and west and every point in between. And then if I get desperate, I'll find some people say, I think you're God's answer to prayer. <laughs> Why? I think you're supposed to help me. You'll find somebody if you step out in faith. <laughs> it's lower than 81.6% in 2001, 78% in 2012, and so you can see the decline in the faith. Now, I think a lot of this has to do with our, and this is just a lot of this is my perception and opinion, and we all have those. And as I've studied, as I've looked at the Bible, whenever things begin to cool off in our lives and people don't see the passion in our lives for what we believe in, they think, why would I take the effort to worship a God that you believe in, but you're no different than me and you don't act any happier than me? A lot of Christians are just ticked off that they can't partay. Some Christians are just ticked off because out, everybody's out there having fun and you're all pickled up. So you don't know who's going to heaven and who's not. There are a lot of idiots that are going to be in heaven. And we're probably going to be one of those idiots. Yeah, it's just the way it is. You're going to look, how did they make it? How did they make it? About 20 years ago, I was asked to do a funeral for a guy that was killed in a nightclub, a biker guy. It was a real rough club and a lot of bikers, and, and uh, he got shot. And uh, I just, his, his cousin happened to work for me, and they said, would you, would you do his funeral? It's in Tulsa. And I said, well, sure. I, I, my parents, I'll make it a trip. I'll stop up by and see my folks. I'll do his funeral. And, and so I got to tell you all something, man. I, I go to this it was done at a funeral home, and you know, they're not really large venues, but this one was pretty large, and it was packed, standing room only. I'm looking and thinking, I don't think I'd have this many people in my funeral. <laughs> what nightclub did you get shot in? You know, I mean, you're beginning to think here, you know, what, what's up with this? 
And so, but what well, I did all my research before, I come to find out after he was shot, he was alive, the ambulance picks him up, and whoever's in the back of the ambulance said his, the world's future lives in me, and his future is inside me, and I don't know if he's going to live or die, so they led him to Jesus in the back of an ambulance. Okay, so they get to the hospital, he dies, okay? Now you say, well, that's a sad story. Not really, he ain't paid one utility bill since. No car insurance, no mortgage, no lease. That sucker's up there golfing with God. Okay, so he, they lead him to Jesus in the back of an ambulance. So I find out, I'm all excited, right? I mean, I am thrilled. So I go to do this funeral because I've done funerals, a lot of funerals the last 40 years. And, uh, and every time I always ask, did, did they know Jesus? Because that makes it a lot easier. And, and even if somebody tells me we're not sure if they did, in my books, he did because I ain't going to send nobody to hell. <laughs> I ain't going to condemn anybody to hell. That's between them and God. I'm just preaching good news up in here. We don't know what happened. He was on his way to hell and got intercepted by an angel. We don't know. Some of you, that's not good, solid theology. I'm believing God for everybody. And so I finished preaching this funeral. I, I, I was, it was good news. I was preaching happy and how awesome this guy, you know, what happened in his life and and, you know, afterwards, all the bikers were coming up talking to me, loving on me, and, you know, saying things I can't say in church, like, blank good sermon, pastor. <laughs> but then I get a three-page letter from a, a minister. It, 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 you know, this is back before email was popular. This is in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? Dial up. You know, we didn't have that fast internet back then. It was snail mail and email was about the same, you know, it took about the same time. And so I get this letter and this pastor is ridiculing me for how I preached. Folks, you did not want to pick on me in my 30s. I was not that renewed. I'll come at you in the name of Jesus. I think my relatives are James and John, the sons of thunder. You want us to call down lightning from heaven? I called him up, and I, I'm sure I was in sin about up to here. I didn't call him brother. I didn't call him. I wanted to call him things. In my head, I called him all kinds of stuff. The world's future is in us, whoever that ambulance person was. But religious people are angry people. Religious people are angry people. Let me tell you why. Because they live life by the rules and they break them. We all do. The challenge with legalism is that we measure our life against our behavior instead of measuring our life against his cross. You're going to be messing up the rest of your life and so am I. I'm not trying to prophesy doom or anything over us. I'm just saying until we grasp the goodness of God, we will never talk about the goodness of God. Until we realize the good news, we're not capable of sharing the good news. Get this. This is, this is an issue, folks, and I'm trying to help us. I'm not trying to be negative here. I just want you to see how important it is that everyone in this room today knows somebody who has no church home, who doesn't know God, and is waiting on somebody like us to give them a simple invitation, would you go to church with me? But if church is not important to you and good news is not important to you, you won't be a very good person to tell that story. Church is not antiquated. 
It will never go out of, out of uh, uh, popularity. It, it's, it's a part of our lives. Jesus and the Word of God tells us that we're not to forsake coming together and assembling together as we see the day drawing near. It's still very important. But we've allowed the world to convince us that church is not important. It is important because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and that fellowship and community happens here. There's something powerful about touch. Listen to this. An estimated 30,000 congregations shut their doors in the United States from 2006 to 2012. 30,000 churches closed in a six-year period of time. 5,000 churches a year shut down. That's horrible. And let me tell you why. You have a bunch of discouraged pastors, depressed pastors, and mean parishioners. Not y'all, you're here. You're sweet, you're kind, and you love me. I'm just prophesying here. But I'm telling you, it, it gets a lonely job sometimes. All the things you deal with and, and, and the, the, the opposition that many pastors deal with, and, and we lose sight of why we're gathered together. We're not gathered here for, for social reasons, though social things happen. We're gathered here to be equipped to hear a story, to hear the Bible so that we can tell other people about God. And we get encouraged I got a lot of notes, and I'm just, you see, I'm fanning through them. Okay, now, go to Jonah chapter 1. It said, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it, tell them to change. I don't want to destroy them. This is the Amplified, <laughs> because it's wick wickedness, heavy hurt, naughty, grief, harm, sorrow has come before me. So God is wanting to send Jonah to Nineveh not to condemn them, but to tell them to change and repent. Now, we all know the story, and, and many people uh, don't believe that a fish can swallow a human being and that this is just some kind of metaphor. But the reality is the Bible is the Bible. You either believe all of it or none of it's true. So God has a heart for Nineveh. Nineveh was considered a metropolis, a huge city, 120,000 people plus, wicked, evil in every way. And God, somebody inside Nineveh had to be praying, God, save our city. God, this is my home. These are my people. These are my family members. God, save our city. Then God gets a hold of Jonah and says, I want you to go. Well, Jonah's smart. Jonah's knowing who God is, and he knows if he tells the people of Nineveh to repent, they're going to repent. Which means they're powerful, and eventually they will rise up and they will come against the people of God. So he's, he's thinking, and honestly, everything that Jonah's thinking was right on. But how many of you know, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. And we're called to obey God regardless of how we think. And, and the possibility of how we think being true. There are people that you 
kind of want to go to heaven, but you don't want to be the one to lead them there because you don't like them that much. And just maybe you're right that they're, they're, you know, that they're just crazy, dumb, they don't like you, and you're just like, well, I don't want anybody to go to hell, really. Because they're just mean. Jonah looks and says, they're, they're just mean. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Have any of you ever been on the ocean in a ship, not a big one? Like this would not have been like a cruise liner. You never sleep below deck, especially when the water's rough. You typically throw up. There's a trick, because I've done this deep sea fishing, where you're supposed to look at the horizon to keep you from feeling all the waves. Jonah is asleep. Can I tell you something? There's, there are, there's, there, there's a, a battle in the spirit realm for you, for me, for other people. A lot of people don't talk about the spirit realm, except Hollywood will, but they won't tell it the way it really is. The Bible tells us that weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And that... There is a spiritual battle in heavenly realms, and there's a battle for the truth that's in your life and mine, and the devil does not want it to get out. And oftentimes, when we are disobeying God, there is this, uh, in this case, Jonah is, is able to sleep in disobedience to God. It's like Satan backs off or something and says, rest my child. Oftentimes, when we are in disobedience to God, things start stirring up around us, and it takes somebody to wake us up or something. In this case, they come, wake Jonah up. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? The captain has a clue here. Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots, find out who is responsible for this calamity. Isn't it interesting that in that day, it, it didn't, they didn't know political correctness. They're going to find out the knucklehead who's causing this and get him off the ship. They're looking to say, somebody here, they honored, they knew there was a supernatural. Somebody here is running from God. And the lot finds itself on Jonah. Now, Jonah does the right thing here. He admitted his wrong. He admitted his wrong. Don't waste a sin. What do I mean by that? If you have sinned, and we all have, in my darkest hour, I said, I will not waste this sin. I will learn from it. Matter of fact, this sin is going to become a platform for his glory. A lot of people hide when they sin. They, they, they live a life, the rest of their life in shame, 
when they sin. They try to not talk about when they sin. And I'm not saying glorify it and, and make it look great. I'm just saying that your sin and my sin is a platform to reveal to the world how awesome God is. i never forget when I started the first church here, uh, I, people came that, that grew up in Tulsa that saw my name around here. We were on the radio. We were on television commercials. We were trying to let people know we were here. And they would come and say, is, is this a Mark Crow from Tulsa? <laughs> kind of like in shock, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and they, they couldn't believe it because, you know, I, I, I wasn't that good early on in my life. And now I get to live my life telling the story of how good God is, how he set me free. Instead of looking at somebody and saying, you know what? You're going to burn in hell if you don't change. Now that, that just, did you feel love in that? I mean, I used to want to go pay these people standing on street corners, turn or burn. I wanted to just go light a fire and say, let's see how that works. People don't stop and go, oh, yeah, I need to get saved because I'm going to burn. No, they want to torch the people telling them they're going to get torched. But when you start telling somebody over and over and over again what they can be and who they can be instead of who they are and what they're not, it'll start changing the direction that they look. It'll change everything in their life. He admitted his wrong. He said, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? He said, pick me up, throw me into the sea. He said, I'm not going to let this sin be wasted. What I've done is wrong. And if God wants to preserve my life, he can. But I'm putting everybody else's life at risk. I will say this, and we all know it, and some of us know it more than others. Our sin affects a lot of people. And it's very important that we have a right response to a wrong done. You can look around, you can blame your mom and dad, you can blame the neighborhood you grew up in, you can blame the school you attended, you can blame a lot of things if it makes you feel better, but it won't make you feel better very long. When you can look like Jonah did and go, it's all on me, God goes, I got you. They may throw you overboard, but I got a surfboard. It's a fish, but it's kind of fit. Can you imagine just for a moment what it would be like to be thrown overboard on a sea that was rough and getting rougher? You're in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. You can't possibly see land, and even at the light of day, you may not. But he had faith in God in the midst of his wrong to say, here's what I want you to do. And once they throw him overboard, things calm down. One man said Christianity can be condensed into four words. You may want to write these down. Admit you're wrong. Submit to God. Commit 
to do whatever it takes and transmit, tell others, those are the four things. And he told them, he went right down, I admit it, I submit to God, I commit to do whatever's necessary to make this go away. And he said, throw me overboard. You see, there will always be a ship of reason or a ship of justice that we will try to escape to whenever we've done wrong. First, he had the wrong attitude toward God's will. He thought it was something difficult and dangerous. And he had the wrong attitude toward those different than himself. He thought he could turn his witnessing on and off when he wanted to and did not realize that he was witnessing either against or for the Lord no matter what he was. You can't turn it off. Christianity's a lifestyle. It's not about the four spiritual laws that we talk about. It's about a life that we live and being encouraging to others. Others will follow good news. It may not happen quickly. It may not happen immediately. But if you start talking to people about who they can become and who they really were born to become, it will change everything in their life. Somebody says, I got issues. Well, greater is God in, in you. Well, he may not be in them yet, but if you speak it, greater is God in you than all that's going on in this world. Well, I don't have much. God will meet all your needs according to his glory in Christ Jesus. He meet all your needs. We have to speak to what can be instead of what seems to be in that moment. Obedience without true repentance is nothing more than legalism. There was true repentance in Jonah's life. Samuel put it this way, do, do you all think God wants, all, you, all God wants is our sacrifices, empty rituals just for show? He wants you to listen to him. Plain listening is the thing, not staging a lavish religious production. Not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around in the occult. Getting self-important around God is far worse than making deals with your dead ancestors. This is the Message Bible, 2 Samuel, and uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15. In other words, God's simply looking for people to act in obedience to him. The storms of life and the crises of life reflect who we are and what we really believe in that moment. Secondly, Jonah appropriately responded to the crisis. Crisis calls to our faith. I can remember times in my life where I actually put God to the test. And I, I would say this, it wasn't foolish test. When God told me to go back to college at uh, my mid-20s, uh, I, I didn't have the money to go. I mean, I had no support. It was a private uh, school, about $100,000 for four years at that time. Now it's probably 200000 But God spoke very specifically, me, to, specifically for me to go back there. And, I, and I, I had to really believe God. And God said, you will graduate from this institution debt-free. Now, you got to understand, that was big. I, I was on my own, mid-20s. I was on my own at 16 years old because I came from a, a very lower middle-class family. And it took a lot of faith. And I'm going to tell you, I wish and I need to get to that place today where, where we are believing God 
at such a level that it puts a demand on God? Is your faith putting a demand on God? Are you just asking God to pay the bills? Or are you asking God to help you pay other people's bills? Ask God for beyond what you need. Say, God, there are other people who need things. Help me be a need meter. Because the future of the world is in us. We got to pray big prayers. Graduation, four years later, every year, God had done supernatural things. And I'm sitting in the baccalaureate service before the graduation ceremony. And I still owed, I I forget if it was $1,500 or something. And I sat there and I remembered God, God put a brain in here. And I remember what he told me. I'm sitting in baccalaureate and I said, God, you told me that I would graduate debt free. And today is graduation day. He says to me in my heart, he says, you haven't graduated yet. There, was, there were a few hours between baccalaureate and, and the graduation ceremony. And between that time and the graduation ceremony, people came and gave me gifts enough to pay off the debt. I just reminded God. And God said, and of course, God reminded me, you haven't graduated yet, knucklehead. He didn't quite say it that way, but you know what I'm talking about. Your sin is a launch pad to your call. It's a launch pad to your call. Jonah took advantage of a second chance. So some of you say, well, you know, I've I've messed up. I've not admitted it. I just let my crisis beat me up. God's a God of chance after chance after chance. A lot of people just quit saying, I can't live this life. It's too hard. I let God down. I got good news for you. You're not holding God up. So you can't let him down. Isn't that good news? I don't let God down. Really. Like you're holding up the creator of the universe. Stop and realize. God never gives up. Never quits. Never looks down on you. He's always believing in you. Even in your darkest, stupidest hour. God's not judging you. He's loving you. Romans eleven twenty nine out of the Message Bible says, God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. In this case, Jonah's call to Nineveh never changed. I'm going to ask you today, what's your Nineveh? I've had a lot of Ninevehs in my life. God, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to do God says your future goes through there. Jonah's future went through Nineveh. It went through the hard place. God wasn't punishing him. God was using Nineveh to build Jonah. Your hard times are not the punishment of God. They're the preparation of God. When God says, I, I got big things for you, and until and, and you can handle the difficult things, you'll never get to the big things that I have for you. And you think God's punishing you. You're having to put up with something. You're suffering. Well, the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. Even Jesus had difficult times that prepared him for the cross. It's not punishment. It's preparation. We just have to keep our heads held high and remember we can trust God. 
When you see no way out, you don't need to. All you need to do is see God. God sees the way out. God sees the way through. God sees the way over. We just have to keep pursuing God. We all find ourselves in situations from time to time, and we have to remember our response to crisis will be an encouragement or a discouragement to other people watching. Famous William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, said, I hungered for hell. I pushed into the midst of it in the east side of London. For days I stood in the seething streets, drinking it all in and loving it all. Yes, I loved it because I loved the souls that made upon the muddy stream. I went home one night to my wife and said to her, My darling, I have given myself, I have given you, and I have given our children to the service of these souls. That's what I'm talking about. He knew the future of the world was in part in his life. The video announcement I did earlier, trying to get parents to see that you are called to be a part of your children's mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual growth. You don't just dump your kids off here Sunday expecting somebody else to drop a God bomb in their head. You want to be involved in the development of their spirit. Not just their mind, their academics, their education. You're called to be a part of their spiritual growth. Well, I don't work with kids. You have kids. You work with them. But I don't work. I take Sundays off. No, you don't. We're just saying participate. You know, one of the reasons we have two worship experiences is you can work one and worship one. If we only had one, you couldn't do both, but now you can do both. Isn't that a terrible thing? Ask yourself the question, what is my Nineveh? Because some of you are walking toward it right now, or you're running from it. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. There will be people that will hold your past against you. But they cannot compare with the one who holds your future before you. There are people that told me, you should never preach again. I thought, you're not God. And I won't stand before you when I die, so shut up. (laughs) Or I could have gone scriptural and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, I don't say that arrogantly. I say that because I wanted to never preach again. I thought, man, I've been doing this a long time. I I don't know that I can preach any, but I've preached some pretty good sermons, and I've I've preached some that I went, I should never have started in this field. (laughs) And I thought, "Let's let's just call it a tie, and I'll just move on. I'll do weddings in the U.S. Virgin Islands and rent out paddle boards. Sounded pretty good to me. I had a plan. God went, nah, not going to happen. Don't run from the Lord. Remember, you have to go through Nineveh to get to your destiny. And every one of us has a Nineveh. I got to go through Oklahoma City until God says you're through in Oklahoma City. And nothing's going to change that. 
And you have to be committed to whatever it is you're going through or you won't get through it. You have to get up every day and say, this is tough, but God's tougher. This is a great challenge, but God is greater than the challenge. Because let me tell you, the Bible promises no weapon formed against us will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against us will be refuted. And I can say that, hopefully you can, without any vengeance or ill will toward anyone. I'm not mad at anybody. If anything, I'd be mad at myself for not obeying the Lord. And here we are in Oklahoma City where the winds come sweeping down the plane. Tornadoes come rumbling down the plains. High winds. All kinds of funky weather. Everybody needs to come to Oklahoma and spend a month. I have great faith to live anywhere else. It takes great people to live here. <laughs> we got hail, snow, tornadoes. I even had a tropical storm blow through here one time. Came all the way up from the Gulf just for us. Challenges. God had the last word, and God will have the last word, and Jonah let him have the last word. Comes a time when you just need to do what the Bible says. Be still and know that he's God. Psalm 4610, see striving and know that he is the Lord. Future of the world's resident in us. We don't have to fight people. We just need to pray and believe God. And as we do, our light will shine. And they'll see our good works and they'll turn to the God that we serve. Let's be happy believers where people see us and go, I want to know why you're so happy. You can even tease them a little bit. Say, ah, you really don't want to know. Oh, come on, tell me. No. No. Oh, okay, I will. The future of War Acres, the future of Oklahoma City, Edmond. It's our responsibility. We are our brother's keeper. Need to tell the story. Invite people to church. Pray for people. Help them to know God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you never take back your purpose or your call on our lives. God, we're thankful for that. So, Lord, I pray for everyone in this place today. that they would get to and through their Nineveh. You give them strength and courage. And Lord, we'll leave the results in your hands. We won't argue with them. We'll trust you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, those who are watching online, I'd like to ask you to pray this prayer with me, prayer of salvation. Admitting, I need God. Submitting to the God that you need committing to fight the good fight and transmit that faith to other people. Let's pray this prayer, everyone here. Repeat it after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I call on your name, and I declare I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.